0: Dude, that's Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. What's up, y'all? Really excited to share today's conversation with you for a number of reasons. Not only is my guest a major champion and a former world number one, he's also my favorite player not named Tiger growing up, Adam Scott. I covered a lot with Adam in this interview, everything from the evolution of equipment since his career began to his best and boldest dressers on tour. And he also lists his top five major venues he's played. So here it is, my chat with Adam Scott. Well, Adam Scott, thank you for joining The Smiley Show. Uh, man, you were probably my favorite player growing up. I mean, I think the, the common answer is the Tiger Woods was everybody's favorite player, but you really were like, if I, if you'd have gone to my like third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, like who was your favorite golfer besides Tiger Woods, I would write your name down. So for me, when I got on tour and you and I got paired together, it was a pretty, pretty cool deal uh, for me to play with you. I'm, I'm sure for you, it's probably odd having that said to you, but for me, you were, you were definitely an idol of mine. Well, thanks
1: very much uh, for having me on the show and for those nice words. And <laughs> definitely just got a reality check on how old I am. That's for sure. No, no, <laughs> but, no.
0: It's yeah, but it's you age like fine wine, like your golf swing. And I think <laughs> when I was a kid and growing up, it was either like the V1 kind of when we were coming up, the technology still wasn't what it is now but they had V one where they could use tour models to kind of show side by side swings. Mm-hmm. And it was either every coach I went to either had tiger woods, a swing or your swing as we compared like my 13 year old golf swing to yours, which is probably not fair to myself uh, to your yours at the time, but still did you feel like you had a prototypical perfect golf swing or were like during the early two thousands or for you, were there other swing role models that you were looking at?
1: I think, you know, Tiger 2000 swing was just so crazy good. Like, it's yeah. like the dream swing for everybody. And, um, you know, that was at, around that time. It was such an influential time in my career. You know, I was around 19 and 20 and um, try, trying to get on tour and um, and make it. And I kind of had the Tiger rhythm, and then I started seeing Butch, and and he put the positions a little nicer the way he does. And uh, all very naturally kind of fell in a really similar kind of spot. I, I still think Tiger's 2000 swing is the best swing, <laughs> but, and much better than mine was. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think I got natural good sound fundamentals from my dad early on. and. Right. And a lot of my golf swing evolution was really just copying other guys. Like, so not Greg Norman was the number one golfer when I was in my early teens and he was an Australian icon. And, uh, you know, I liked his aggressive play, you know, the way he swung at the driver, that was appealing. And I copied that. And I had the big, whiplash off the back as a as a young kid player. We all did. Uh, Yeah. And then, you know, it morphed a little as Tiger came on the scene. Everyone tried to swing like Tiger and I did too. And um, you know, but since then I've had lots of different kind of I I look at rhythm more than anything now when I when I think of other people's swings and I've looked at Ernie L's rhythm a lot. At times Fred Couples, Tom Watson, InB Park is another one. That I like to look at like she she's so deliberate off the ball and I get a bit too quick sometimes so I like to imagine that kind of rhythm so I've looked at lots of swings but I've never really tried to change the positions of my swing too much.
0: Yeah so you've never had a period during your entire career I mean you're a model of consistency did you ever have times where like you know what if I go try this maybe I can uh, hit a different ball flight or catch another 10-15 yards did you ever f- have challenges like that in your career where you try to change your golf swing at all?
1: I've definitely had challenges like everyone. (laughs) I feel like if you've played golf long enough, you know, you find yourself in some spots where you're like, I don't know how I'm going to play good again. And, um, and then it's when you're playing good, you're like, how easy is this game? And you're just loving it. But, um, (laughs) I've had moments with the golf swing for sure. I think, I think, um, you know, there are moments every, every week actually, but like big, <laughs> big moments where I'm really struggling was kind of in Oh nine, it, it started getting a little bent out of shape. My posture got pretty poor for me and the swing got really rounded a bit laid off the club mm. at the top and, and incredibly shallow coming in. And I, and it was also around a time when spin really started coming off the golf ball hard. spin was coming out of drivers hard and I really couldn't keep the ball in the air because it was like such a shallow inside approach. And I was just really struggling with any consistency at all in my ball flight. And, and uh, I actually changed coach at the end of that year to uh, Brad Malone, who's still my coach today. And we kind of reworked some of those fundamentals, uh, to get me back on track. So, in nine was kind of my biggest struggle with the golf swing.
0: Yeah. That didn't sound very easy to hit a fade with all the things you just said.
1: (laughs) It was all over the place. I was, I could hit every shot, just not the one I wanted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you kind of mentioned, uh, talking about the golf ball or just equipment in general changing during that time. So from the beginning of your career versus now, you know, especially with this ball rollback debate, you know, where do you kind of stand on where the equipment was at the beginning kind of of your career and where it is now?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing because now, you know, I'm probably the last of the guys who turned pro using a ballada, like a wound golf ball. Uh, And toward the end of my first year as a pro, the pro V1 was introduced and that was really kind of a revolutionary ball. Um, and all the other manufacturers spent a few years trying to catch up to Mm-hmm. where Where the pro v one was. But that was a huge advantage if you were a tightless player <laughs> at that time when the pro v one came out because it was clearly you know a, a better golf ball. and And you know, the distance thing started happening, I guess, around around that time, much uh, much more uh, calmly, I think, mm-hmm. for quite a few years. And then I think over the last 10 years, it's, it's really kind of exploded. And, and we've seen a few guys push the limits a few times, you know, going back to Rory kind of in 13 and 14, all of a sudden, you know, bulked up with speed and, and launching drivers um, to Bryson a few years ago when he went crazy and just pushed it even further. And, you know, I also see the younger kids um, and Gordon Sargent's probably the best example who's, they have this easy speed in the one nineties, which is so wild. It's crazy. Um, You know, and I think it's awesome because like the athlete, we're, we're getting, becoming better athletes and, um, you know, we shouldn't stop that. The kind of golf romantic in me likes the idea of bringing it back. I'm just not sure like throwing a blanket just on the golf ball is the way to do it. And I don't really love the idea of bifurcating either. Um, you know, there's, we could have an hour conversation just on this probably throwing ideas around, but, um, you know, I think, I think there's something to the driver head size. It's, it's not just the ball that goes long. It's other things that allow us to that we've chased distance, you know, T's going way back is asking us to hit it further. And and guys have found ways to do that. So, you know, it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. Um, but of course we can't have 800 yard holes. we got to stop
0: somewhere. I'm kind of with you on this size of the driver head. Maybe the golf ball would be something to look at changing as well, but I'm with you on a golf course that, you know, if it if just there's so many courses now where guys just like, you know what, I'm just going to hit driver, go find it where the hole is not designed for it. And so I think that's the beauty of, of golf that you're kind of speaking of and the, the artistry that it takes to get around golf courses. That's kind of just gone. It's just the stats say hit driver and you just go find it and hit another one.
1: Yeah. I feel like more than the golf ball, the biggest fundamental change in the game since I've been a pro, which is getting back to your question is, traditionally the driver has been the hardest club to hit in the bag and now it's the most forgiving. And that's the biggest like evolutionary change in, in the golf bag to me out of the equipment. Uh, the ball's a ball, but the driver went from the hardest club to hit to now the most forgiving and the go-to club for guys. If they're nervous, you know, the penalty for missing a driver just isn't high enough anymore, in my opinion at our, at, at the top level. And, um, You know, I'd like to maybe address that first and see what knock on effects that has, Uh, you know, I don't know if guys want to swing it at 130 with a tiny drive ahead, then good luck.
0: Well, Adam, you, you cracked the top 100 in the world for the first time exactly 22 years ago. And that was July 15th, 2001. So, you know, hmm. a couple more days away so that there's a little mm-hmm. fun fact nugget, but you've never <laughs> fallen out of the top hundred cents. I mean, what do you credit for your longevity?
1: Oh, um, you know, I've been, I've been lucky with, you know, no real injuries, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I've had a good, Kind of team of different people over the years now, you know as as uh, things change, your team changes, but I've had good people around me, you know, with similar principles, I think the whole time, keeping me physically well, and um, yeah, I look, I think generally uh, for the most of my career, I've kind of really, really put my mind to playing top level golf, and I've been really right. disciplined with myself, so. Um, most of the time I've been getting good advice to, to, um, you know, match up with some talent that I have, which is some good decisions along the way for sure. And, and, and wanting to play hard.
0: How many years did you work with Butch Harmon?
1: I worked with Butch for the better part of 10 years. Yeah.
0: I'm curious. Everybody always kind of refers to him more as a mental coach and really gives guys positivity and. Uh, confidence. And I, you kind of just, the answer you just gave made me think how many talented players that have been on the PGA tour that haven't had the level of consistency that maybe had the same physical gifts, but weren't able to do what you've done. And how much do you credit your mental game? And just like that attitude and confidence of, of setting your mind to, Hey, I'm going to achieve this and I'm going to go do it year in, year out. And it's not easier, easy to do, but you were able to do it. Yeah. I think,
1: I think uh, as good as Butch is at seeing the golf swing and seeing a ball flight and being able to communicate that as a golf teacher, he was a great mental coach for me. He played the tour when he was younger, he'd worked with the best, you know, he'd worked a bit with Seve. He'd worked a lot with Norman, who was a dominant number one player. And then of course, working with Tiger he'd seen, he'd seen so much. And I, he got to, you know, at the time, I I don't think I realized as it was coming in, um, exactly what he was saying, but as I look back on it now, I definitely adopted bits of that later on, even, um, as motivation to work harder, um, things like that, you know, Butch and I personalities are a little bit different. And he would push me sometimes in ways that I, I maybe didn't quite get straight away, but I, I eventually, I eventually got there. Uh, and I think I got a lot (laughs) out of talk, you know, as much as he taught me golf, we talked golf and that's very similar with Brad as well, who I've worked with for the last 10 or 12 years. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like at this point in my career, I'm not, I'm not trying to move the swing around or anything. I need someone to make sure it's looking pretty good. And then I need someone to talk golf with, you know, that understands kind of my game and what's going on. And, um, we can get to kind of decide if, if my three woods not looking good, I can, he understands what I'm saying and we can make a good decision together.
0: It's so important. And so many junior golfers or, uh, college golfers that go to all these coaches and, they try to communicate to these coaches, but they don't have the same verbiage. They don't know how to communicate to a coach and speak the same language. You have to be able to talk to your coach and be able for y'all to understand what you're talking about, or it's never going to work. I've I've had relationships like that in, in coaching and you're trying to make sense of what they're talking about. And for those of you that are listening, it's like, crap, I, I don't know what my coach is talking about. He just sounds smart. It's probably yeah. not the best fit. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. If you're not if it's not working in a couple shots or um you guys are talking around in circles for a while, it's probably never <laughs> gonna to get too far. Um there's there's so much info out there that you know you gotta be careful what you do with it. And I think, you know, what I appreciate a lot about uh my coach at the moment is, you know, he lets me rely on my instinct a lot. He gets I've you know, I've played a lot of golf at a very high level for a long time. I mean my gut instinct should be pretty good. Like let's, let's follow that first. Let's go mm-hmm. down that path. And we, we know where our home base is too. So if we start going down a path and it's wrong, <laughs> we can get back quick and, and, and sort ourselves out.
0: Yeah. Maybe take a week or two, but you'll find your way back. And <laughs> yeah, so hopefully. you talked about that high level golf. I mean, you were world number one uh, from May, 2014 to August, 2014. You know, for you, where would you rank that as far as your career achievements? Just reaching number one in the world.
1: Yeah, I think it, it's way up there, really. Like it's childhood dream stuff. You know, I mm-hmm. had that. You know, in my in my uh, mind, as a kid, practicing at home and you trying to be world number one one day, and it was really, you know, my dreams were kind of crushed as I turned pro. Like this, Tiger Woods just dominated <laughs> this position for over a decade really as I turned pro and I know VJ made it to number one in that time I'm trying to think if anyone else did maybe not in the first decade I was a pro but you know like I'm I gave up on it pretty much you know like that was never going to happen and (laughs) and um I started playing good after 09 and I and I pushed pretty hard for a few years there that was like my real sweet spot where I I did a lot of things right for quite a while, and then I finally got there. And I mean, it it is incredible to go to the course as the world number it's one. It's pretty player. cool, right? I yeah, mean, it's incredible.
0: What was the pressure like of of having the number one? Like when you got there, was it as satisfying as as I would make it to myself? Like if I was the number one player in the world, was it just kind of just more of a confidence booster more than anything?
1: Yeah, it was. It was incredibly satisfying. I really. I really didn't put pressure on myself to kind of stay there. I never really felt like the target was on my back. Uh, There was a ton of guys that could get to number one any week that I was Mm -hmm. number one. So, you know, it wasn't, maybe I should have put a bit more pressure and played better for longer, but uh, you know, I took the number one spot from tiger. That was cool. I decided I just, (laughs) yeah. yeah, And I wasn't playing that week. I was at home, you know? So I entered the next tournament. (laughs) yeah so I entered the next tournament just to make sure I at least played once as world number one because if I took it off where was I could have lost it (laughs) colonial okay and I won the tournament so that was cool oh even better yeah so so then I managed to hang on to it for like seven or eight weeks or something and uh, Rory went on a heater that summer and and whipped right by me but um you know, it is really like way up there in career achievements. And I, and I probably thought I was going to get back there, but it does seem like it's a long way off right now.
0: <laughs> well, we know you have the game to eventually do it. If you get on that little hot run, but, um, one of the things that I've kind of noticed really since the beginning of your career, everybody always talks about your golf swing, but really the putter, you know, I, I loved your stroke with the short blade, the Scotty Cameron, I think a lot. Jordan Spieth modeled your, I guess it was your Scotty Cameron. He modeled it after your putter. Mm-hmm. He told us that in an interview um, earlier on our podcast, but you've switched to the broom stick over the, <laughs> over, over the years. And was it weird showing up the first time with the broomstick? Cause I feel like you were one of the first guys to kind of get into the broomstick. It, it's just so many guys are doing it now, but at the time where you're just like, I got to try mm-hmm. something different.
1: Yeah, it was just out of, you know, I was a good putter with the short putter for sure. Like, Yeah, I,
0: stats too. Like,
1: yeah like I led strokes game putting early on in that stat or whenever that was around and stuff, but I, I became kind of streaky and it became very frustrating. It was either really good or really terrible. And that's a tough spot to be out on tour, not knowing what's going to show up any given week. And uh, after a couple years of like really streaky putting, I just said I'm going to try something completely new. And uh, my coach Brad, he he went and bought a broomstick from a golf shop, and we went on the putting green in the backyard in Australia. And I started this thing. Made I didn't everything. know what I was doing. Did you just doing. make everything? Yeah, it just went in, and <laughs> and we said, all right, we got to give this a go. And I think I was like kind of a young guy showing up with a broomstick was pretty odd. I think Tim Clark was probably the, you know, we, mm-hmm. we were both young, young back then, but he was, he was my buddy and he was doing it and I showed up with it. And I think people were rolling their eyes, shaking their heads kind of stuff. Um, but I got results pretty quick. And i I think about my fourth event where that i finished second at the masters and, um, you know, it was, it definitely had merit after that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean my dad uses the uh the broomstick and he makes everything so there's yeah. definitely uh i i've tried to use it it just it's not comfortable to me but um it, it just whatever's comfortable with the putter and it seems like you figured something out and i like watching you with the broomstick but oh, cool. um as far as uh, Australia golf, Australia. Excuse me. I played the Aussie Open and the Aussie PGA, and I was uh, corrected very quickly that it's not Australia, it's Australia. It's no (laughs) Aus. Australia, Australia, mate. So so I I got corrected very quick on that. But um, you know, I'm curious with all this talks about the global tour that's being floated around, and Australia really being a golf hotbed. You know, what does? where does Australia fit for you in what hopefully would potentially be a global tour?
1: Yeah, it's hard to know how everything uh, is going to pan out. I think, I think the idea of a global tour sounds great. I I don't know logistically how, how it's really going to work the best for everybody, you know, things have been pretty comfortable in the United States for a lot of guys, uh, for a long time, including myself. And like with three of the majors focused there and, and that style of golf, um, I think, um, it'd be hard to see how the global tour all works out, but Australia is a golfing nation for sure. And, um, we have this area in Melbourne with, 10 of the best golf courses in the world. And I'm not really exaggerating and saying mm-hmm. that, uh, and they love sport down there and playing, playing in the sand belt is really, really special. It's like playing links golf. It's right. sand belt golf. It's a certain style of golf. And it'd be amazing to showcase that with the great players all the time. We've, we've had president's cups down there and you've played a couple of events and, mm-hmm. and I think guys are, generally more interested like these days to go and experience a little bit more which is fantastic so you know I don't know if we're ever going to have you know big tournaments year after year down there but if if we can continue to encourage like some top players to come down and experience that I know they're going to have a good time in Australia and I know they'll enjoy the course and they'll be appreciated that's for sure
0: yeah. And I th- I got to watch a little bit of the live golf event at um, Adelaide. And yeah. to me, it looked like their most successful event that they've had. And I think it had everything to do with the Australian fans. I think it had everything to do with the golf community and the fact that they were going to show up regardless of, who, of whose plan. It's like we just want to see top level golf. and I think that's what we saw at, at that event and what we could see if there were more global events or pga tour events um throughout australia
1: yeah there's no doubt like the global market's been starved of uh big events you know the u.s has certainly dominated that the the tour has had a few events in asia um but maybe maybe hasn't hit all the spots with all the big names going Mm -hmm. you know it's tough time of year, potentially guys are trying to take a break and not travel and things like that. So it shows that that market starved and, you know, getting the balance right is maybe something that, um, the world of professional golf can do going forward. If, if some kind of deal takes place.
0: Yeah. And I'm I'm curious to see what what's gonna eventually happen because I like I said I loved playing uh the Aussie Open and the Aussie PGA, but really those those weren't on this, those aren't considered sand belt golf courses, correct? Where I played the Gold Coast and Sydney. <laughs> no, but they're, they're not. That'll be Melbourne, right?
1: Yeah, down in Melbourne is the sandbelt. And you know, uh we had the Aussie Open down at Victoria Golf Club last year, which was fantastic.
0: Oh, uh but nice. it's back,
1: it's back in Sydney this year. Um but it would be great to see those events get down to the Sandbelt more and, and showcase.
0: Yeah, I, course. I think I played on a Nicholas course. It was like the Australian Golf Club.
1: The Australian, yeah, that's a really nice club. I loved and, it. Uh, it was like this. Yeah. Like
0: this is U.S. golf, man. I was like, this yeah, is this is me. Exactly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and it's imperfect. It's like one of our best condition golf courses too. And actually, the Aussie Opens there this year. So yeah, oh, there you um, go.
0: When I was there, yeah. the fires were really bad, so there was like a ton of smoke. Right. I we remember that,
1: with. yeah. I was there, uh, yeah. Couldn't yeah. see it down the fairway. It was crazy.
0: I think a lot of people pay attention to what you're wearing while you're walking down the fairways. I think you've been one of the best-dressed players since you've been on the PGA tour <laughs> I think you probably take pride in it as you should because um I feel like you're a kind of a trend center, but you also know what not to wear in the same sense <laughs> you started I think out I, learned cre- <laughs> I
1: learned <laughs> well, that I learned that
0: well you started your uh, I, did you start your career with Burberry
1: pretty much yep that's right and then
0: and then now you're with uh Uniqlo Uniqlo and kind of different styles burberry like i I remember you wearing a lot more pattern type stuff and it Mm -hmm. seems like now you are wear more muted tones and kind of um just small little details it seems like that you kind of add to an outfit like where Mm -hmm. where are you on fashion when you came (laughs) out on tour and where you are now
1: probably age appropriate (laughs) smiling is the best answer i uh yeah, I could dig through like some Google image searches and find some it's terrible best. things that I've worn, but, um, you know, I've been, I've been lucky, uh, with all my sponsors, I feel, but certainly with Uniqlo, they've been great to work with the last 10 years. And the thing I like about their philosophy is it's like life wear. it's not just golf clothes, you know, you decide what you want to wear yeah. it for. It's really versatile stuff and it's affordable as well which I like, which is, you know, something that a lot of areas of the game is trying to work with Mm because, you know, golf has that kind of stigma of being elitist and that, and we're, I think we're knocking down a lot of barriers, just generally um, as a whole on that, doing a good job with that. And I like the fact that the clothes I wear are affordable for most, um, which is cool. And, um, you know, it's, it is, you, you explained it dead, right. I mean, it's fairly muted. It's fairly salt. I wear a lot of solids. It's pretty hard to go wrong, uh, with that. So, you know, somehow I get away with not messing it up too much.
0: <laughs> Nobody's going to mistake Adam Scott and Victor Hovland in a major championship currently. <laughs>
1: no, no, not at the moment. No.
0: <laughs> well, I got two fashion questions that I want you, I want to hear if this is ever in or if it's out for you is mm-hmm. a white belt ever allowed?
1: I think it's out for me now. I mean, I've worn a white belt, so I'm guilty. It's always been out uh, for me. Yeah, I think it's out now. I I think, uh, I don't know when that was 15 or more years ago, (laughs) maybe, but I think it's out.
0: All right. Talk to me about the joggers.
1: I've worn them too, but that, that was like, it felt like a seasonal thing for me, joggers. So (laughs) I I mean, they're still, they're still out and about. I know it feel like that season's been six years now and maybe it should be out too. I, I don't think I'll be back in joggers again.
0: Okay. What about pleated pants? Is that something that you can get behind?
1: Yeah. I, yeah. So I will, I think I had one pleat in my trousers at the USPGA this year. So, Ooh. Um, you know, it's a, it's a different, it's a bit of a fashion thing for sure. Uh, I that. like it. I like that. I mean, I like that. When you look at old photos of Hogan and stuff, uh, even old ones of Arnold Palmer, I like that style, that silhouette with a bit bigger trousers and a pleat and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it looked like it fit in in those times, but we've, we've been pretty um, pretty straight-legged for a while now or <laughs> two.
0: I'll tell you what, you're probably going to see me out at the Scottish Open this week. You're like, is that is that SK in the fairways wearing pleated pants? Yeah, no, <laughs> I like that. trying to fit I'm this down. little trend that Adam said yeah. this, this could hit. <laughs> yeah,
1: I like the I like the pleat. I think it's it's definitely in in the fashion world is what they tell me. So, you know, I'm trying to pull it off.
0: Love it. Well, you don't have to give us the worst dress players unless you'd like, but is there any other best dress players that you can think of on tour that come to mind? But you, you could also give us a worse if you're just kind of thinking, oh, God, that guy, he needs to figure it out.
1: Uh, let, let, we'll keep it positive at the moment. Um, okay. <laughs> I, look, I think Keith, I got to give Keith Mitchell props for kind of putting in a bit of style out there. He's got some trousers and, um, you know, you know, his, you know his nickname, right? Style no go
0: on they call him cashmere keith
1: oh yeah he's got the cashmere sweater yeah he he's uh, and he's got like the terry toweling visor going as well i don't know if you've noticed that detail but oh yeah um yeah he he definitely he's working at it and i and look i give him props for that i think he looks pretty
0: good out there keith is smiling right now so big and he doesn't even know it <laughs> he's gonna absolutely love that yeah. <laughs> it's gonna good be stuff. amazing any other guys
1: um, you know, I don't spend too much time. I know, going, I, know. I just go and uh, check in the locker room out, but let's <laughs> let's let's see. Uh, you know, Vic, Vic, you know, he's brave. Let's call Victor Hovland brave.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll use instead of worse, we'll just use you know, paid and brave.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go.
0: Oh man. All right. So, how about this? So, you're going to be playing in your 91st major championship and next week at the open championship. Is that just crazy to think about 91 majors?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a lot, isn't it? Really?
0: It's you've gotten to see pretty much all some of the best golf courses around the world playing some of, you know, the best golf courses that you would ever want to have a competition on. And I'm actually curious, what would be your top five major venues? You've played 91 of them. You got to have a pretty good feel. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, I have to put Augusta in there, of course, you know, we, we go there every year. So, but it is, it is truly a special tournament. Um, And I think of all the majors, it's the one that kind of transcends golf, you know, just, it has some appeal outside the game of golf, certainly into the sports world. It, it captures that sports audience. But, you know, I remember growing up as a kid and, you know, Monday morning would be the final round of the Masters down there. And like when an Aussie was in contention, the whole nation would be stopping. Like you could, the teacher, if they, they, they'd they let you watch it at school on Monday morning kind of thing.
0: So that I mean that right. had to make it that much more special for you and you won knowing
1: that <laughs> yeah. what
0: it's like what, growing up watching the Masters
1: yeah absolutely i mean i wasn't thinking of it at the time obviously but i've seen some cool clips that people sent me of like there were guys doing radio shows in the morning not covering the <laughs> masters at all but they're watching the tv and they're jumping out of their chairs while they're interviewing someone else and stuff like this going on so there was some cool stuff happening uh the masters for sure at augusta that course uh as far as the Open Championship goes, I'd I'd say Muirfield is my favourite track in the Open, mm. and then you've got to put St Andrews in there because of the atmosphere. Yeah, so there's you three of them. We
0: got two more.
1: That's three. Two more. Um, I really love Shinnecock Hills Golf Course. I've played two U.S. Opens there, and they've both been pretty brutal because you know the green situation that we've had there.
0: Potentially the best Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is what you're telling me.
1: Yeah, for sure. Amazing. (laughs) And then (laughs) it's been a bit of a disaster Thursday through Sunday, but I I love Shinnecock and uh, I'd put winged foot in there as well. You know, I just think that is a tough test.
0: You just know the best player is going to end up being at the top of the board that week. Is that kind of why?
1: yeah, generally. I mean, I've, I've skipped over Pebble beach and that's, that's pretty, that's pretty rough. There, there are a lot of good ones. And the sneaky good one, I think that might surprise people. I think Olympic club is, is a good venue for a major championship.
0: I think that was great. That's a great answer. I think a lot of people will like that because there's it's similar to like a Marion and the fact that it, it's not a big boy golf course. It It requires you to play a different and really a style that has to, you know, Shot shapes off the tees, a lot of different shots. Yeah. So that's, I yeah. think that's what you're kind of referring to there.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, It ask you to play some shots around there, um, which a lot of these newer venues, you know, they're big tracks and it's send it down there and you know a slight draw or a slight fade, it it's still okay. Whereas at Olympic, you know, you've got to know which
0: way it's going. <laughs> yeah, that I think of that tee shot. I think it's number sixteen. That dogleg left. And yeah. I'm sitting here thinking in my head, I don't know how I'm not going to hit those trees right off the bat because <laughs> they look like they're hanging yeah. on top of the tee. <laughs> you've yeah. got to turn something. Yeah,
1: yeah it's in, in intimidating. You know, you've got to, it asks the question of it, you know to move it around a little bit, and I, and I kind of like that. And uh, uh, where else? Oh, that's the other one. I saw Riviera is getting the U S open in like 2031 or something. Oh, you're a big so, Riv
0: guy too. You always play yeah, good there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of motivated to see if I can keep it together and somehow squeeze into that in however many years that is.
0: Oh man. I think the first, uh, PGA tour event I went to was with my dad at Riviera and we watched you play all around. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know what year That's that would have been, but. Um, I'm sure you're wearing pleated pants out there and looked great and played well. Probably, <laughs> probably. yeah. <laughs> ribs,
1: kind of my my spot. That's for sure. I love ribs. It's, Riv, it's and, so uh,
0: good. Oh, well, I want to uh, getting back to the Masters real quick. Uh, was was would you say that win was your biggest career achievement to this point? If if not that, what what would it have been?
1: No, it has to be. I mean, yeah. it it's it's really some. It's something else. I i. Feel like um, you know Trevor Immelman, Immelman and I are pretty good mates, and he won the Masters in 08 And like he still gets a flag sent to him every week to sign from winning. It's it's it, it is truly special. And like everywhere you go, people know about the green jacket uh, and wonder where it is and what you do with it. Um, it's like I said, it's one of those tournaments that transcends the game and. It is probably, probably if I, wa- if I happen to win another major, you know, I just don't know how it'll be, it'll be special, but winning the masters is something else.
0: What, what are we looking out for at Royal Liverpool? You've had some success at that golf course. I believe you finished top 10 twice. Um, but one that's not typically that we're used to seeing at Hoy Lake. So what, what are we looking for there?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting course for guys uh, that haven't been there before that weren't at the 14 was the last time we were there because it was a tough course to kind of overpower that you can't really cut corners. um, I don't think I hear there's a bit of rough around. So you're going to have to kind of strategize your way around and execute. And, you know, that's not our strong suit necessarily on tour now. So I think what's going to be interesting is to watch if guys adapt quick enough to kind of scale back and play the course, let the course come to them rather than overpower the golf course.
0: Well, because I saw the scores were pretty low there. So in my head I'm thinking, oh, it must be one where they can kind of overpower it. But that's a little a different answer than I was expecting.
1: I think Rory did a pretty good job of overpowering it last (laughs) time. You know, he was in that the like his first time he really started sending it um after hitting the gym and but may, and, it, and it rained a lot that week so it was soft and I think you could get away with it so it'll be condition dependent like every open for sure but I, I just feel like most of the time on these good links courses uh, that aren't like wide open you've kind of got to let the course come to you. You just get it down mm-hmm. there and then you hit a shot and and like the contours work it into the right spot. If you've hit a good shot and I, I I'm sure you can do okay. Kind of bombing it around, hacking it around. But I think if you can execute and play the course, how it's intended, I think you'll end up with a better score. Like Tiger hit one driver there. And Oh,
0: 0- well, yeah, there you go. Six. It was baked so- out too. Right.
1: It was super baked out. I I don't think it's going to be that dry, but it'll be somewhere in between. You know, I I think, I think we'll probably have to adapt a little bit from our usual
0: kind of bomb and gouge mentality. Yeah. I was looking at that, looking at that leaderboard, seeing Rory and Tiger win, but then, you finishing top 10 twice. And then Jim Furyk was the other guy that had some success there. So that's kind of that guy who's a plotter. lets the course come to him. So be interested to see next week at Royal Liverpool. It's going to be a, I'm sure a great test. And as we finish here, I'm a recent dad. My producer, Charlie Hume is also um, a dad as well, sitting at Walker's about eight, nine months or so. And I'm Anna Carter's sitting at around six months. So First off, do you remember that time of, of babies and, and do you have any advice for us as we kind of move on in fatherhood?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think new babies is just an amazing time. Uh, and like when any of my buddies have a kid now, I just tell them to enjoy that new baby phase. Uh, I think it might be the best and probably the easiest time for a dad. I'm sure the moms don't want to hear that, but like it Seems gets away in more, our house, <laughs> it, it gets way more intense uh, as the kids get bigger. And it, every, every, every uh, day is, you know, is such a fun challenge to have with them and, and watch them, you know, the, the growth and the learning and everything in those early years is, is just incredible. So, you know, we're, we're all busy doing what we're doing, but, you know, to give yourself a little bit of time each day to really be present, you know, if I could tell myself, I wish I could, could have been there a little bit more, you know, and I think that's really valuable. And I try and do that more now, uh, even though my kids are a little bit older, but I, I would say, even if it's just an extra 15 minutes a day to just be really with them and enjoy that and observe, their growth i think those early years are just incredible
0: well it's it's nice to let you kind of grew up in an age where these phones weren't quite as addicting as as they are now (laughs) in social media uh, i wish my phone sometimes was just punted in the trash can and that i can be present like you're talking about a little bit more that's great advice can i definitely stick that in in charlie and i's back pocket as we uh definitely try to get be as good a dad as we possibly can be but i'm sure you
1: guys will be just fine
0: yeah, we're, we're hanging in there. Well, so Adam, yeah. thank you, man. You're obviously a, I'm always been a big fan of yours, but thank you for joining nice. the show and hopefully get to watch you play some good golf this week and next week over here in Scotland. And uh, I guess next week's England. Did we go from Scotland? I mean, next England? Week's Is England, that right? Yeah, we're moving. Yeah, I got to get moving. my bearings right. You see, That's I'm right. driving. I'm, I'm yeah. now driving on the other side of the road, the, you know, the right side of the steering wheel. I'm, I'm just all switched up right now. i got to kind of recalibrate. Uh, I'm
1: hoping you make it to next week if you're driving
0: <laughs> over here. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. Well, Good I appreciate luck. it. <laughs> play well this week, buddy.
1: No worries. Thanks so much. I'll see you out there.
0: Love chatting with Adam and love that he dropped some dad wisdom on us on the way out. Hope to see him play well again at Hoylake this coming week. That's all for today's show. We'll be back here on Monday with a recap of not only the Scottish Open, Another wild week in golf with a Senate hearing. Thanks for listening. See you then. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.